Well, again, good morning. How about we turn around and shake somebody's hand. Introduce yourself to the folks around you. Go ahead and say hello to them. Tell them good morning. It is a joy for us to be together this morning. I want to say welcome to all of you, especially, again, if today is your first day at Christ Stream, I want to say welcome, help, welcome to our family and welcome to joining us this morning. I want to lay out for you what we're going to do this morning in the homily because it's going to look and feel just a little different, okay? Um, so if we're going to do that together, I'd like us to open up the bulletin, and I want you to go with me to page 6. And then if you have the homily notes, let's put that right next to page six together. Okay, so it's going to feel a little different this morning, right? It's going to feel a little different. So let's put page six right next to the homily notes together. Now, for those of you who were not with us last week, let me first catch you up to speed on where we were last week, because that's going to put everything in the context my experience of looking at our bulletin is that there's a lot that's coming up in front of us. We have men's acts retreat. We have a women's acts retreat. We have a, a domestic church married couples retreat. We've got the Rise Up Day for Men. We've got Lent coming around the corner. We've got Paint and Pray on Saturday and all the other things that are already there. We've got Thursday Bible study in the, at 9 a.m. And, and in the evening. We've got Grief to Grace. We have a lot going on. And what tends to happen for many of us as I stand before you before Mass is I say, hey, you could do this, and you could do this, and you could do this. And for, for some of us who want to take another step closer to God, what is presented may not feel relevant because, well, it sounds like a good idea, but, but that may not be where you are. And I had shared with you last week that my experience of Christmas this year, of all that time alone with you listening, 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 reminded me that many of us here want to take another step closer to God. So if that's you, if you want to take a step closer to God, I want to say welcome. But there's no one answer for all of us. Your next step is going to be different maybe from your spouse or the person on the side of you because we're not all at the same place. And so last week I said, well, let's just, let's just find where we are. So let's go back to page six, okay? I want you to look at page six. That's why we, we illustrated things for you in page six. We may be in different places. And I'd said, well, you might be in maybe one of four places. You might find a couple things similar, but let's just look at page six together, right? Top of page six, some of us might feel like the rich young man. Rich young man, to use modern-day categories, was doing everything he was supposed to do. He was going to Mass on Sunday, kind of using our language today, going to confession. He had forgiven everybody he needs to forgive. But there is a next step for that person, and, and they may be asking what's next, and that's what the rich young man said, right? Lord, what must I do? Some of us don't feel like that. Some of us may resonate with the question, not the physical condition, but the question of the man born blind. He said, well, who is this guy? Which the, the man born blind said, who is he that I may believe in him? Because some of us in church today, and I want to say welcome if this is you, you don't necessarily know if you believe everything about Jesus. You're here. Praise God. Welcome. 
but you've got questions about the Catholic Church, you have questions about Jesus, you have questions about life, some unresolved questions, that's where you are. Praise God. Welcome. Some of us feel like that third image there in the bulletin, page six, the, the woman at the well who has just, she kind of trapped in sin. Some of us may be there, and if that's where you are, welcome. I'm excited you're here, right? She was kind of drinking from the same well of sin over and over, and if that's where you are, we don't have to broadcast that, but I want to say welcome. Or some of you may feel like the disciples in the boat, we said last week, right? You, you, you've got so much stuff going on at home or in your life, at work or finances. You're in a storm, and Jesus, in that image from Matthew, was sleeping in the storm, and they looked at him and said, do you not care that we're in a storm? So there's four places where you might be, and, and I shared with this last week, we can't know what the next step is unless we know where we are. Now, here's where we're going together. Let me just tell you, here's the map. Today, I want to help you confirm where you are. Next week, we're going to now list out, well, this is where you are. This is what you need for all four categories. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna match needs with where you are. And then we're going to help you look ahead to Lent based off of where you are and based on what your needs are so you can take the next step. Amen? That's, that's where we're going. So the, I wanted to take all the surprise out of it. But there is a reason we are unfolding things the way we are unfolding them. And today what I want to do is just help you confirm where you are. Last week you had some questions. We gave you some homework. And today what I want you to do is I just want you to listen to the homily. And I promise you that the homily itself, your experience right here, is going to shed light on where you are. So as you're listening to the rest of the homily, we're going to have a Bible study today. We're going to go to school, okay? I just want you to pay attention right here. What's happening in your heart as you listen to this thing about the Lamb? Let's go to the notes for the homily, all right? Notes for the homily. Number one in the notes for the homily today. If you don't have the notes, just look on with somebody who's around you there. Number one, we heard from the Gospel of John today, this introduction, right? It says, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. So John the Baptist sees Jesus, and John the Baptist uses some language that's very interesting. He calls Jesus the Lamb of God. we got to spend lots of time in the Old Testament today to understand why that is said in the New Testament. He called him the Lamb of God, and he said that in calling him the Lamb of God, it would confirm that he is the Son of God. So, here, here's what we want to set up for us today. What's the Lamb? Why did he call him a Lamb? Because if we get that, then we get not only the Gospel, but man, we start to get Mass in a whole new way. Look at number three. In the Old Testament, God wants his people to be his people. And there's a certain point in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, after he has brought them out of slavery and into freedom, they're in the desert, God has begun to teach them. Now notice God teaches them two things. Many of you have heard this teaching before. We're going to remind you of it. Some of you listening to it with fresh ears today. It takes God four chapters to teach them how to live. In Exodus chapter 20, 21, 22, and 23. In those four chapters, God is essentially teaching his people how to live. 
He gives them the Ten Commandments, and then he just gives them laws about this and laws about that and laws about all kinds of things. Four chapters, 20, 21, 22, 23. He teaches them how to live. Moses comes down the mountain. Look at number three with me. And when Moses comes down the mountain, he looks at the people and he says, hey, this is what God told me. God told me all this. God's teaching us how to live. And they all said, Exodus 24, verse 3, we will do everything that the Lord has told us. Let's say that out loud together. You ready? Here we go. We will do everything the Lord has told us. How long do you think that's going to last? Huh? Moses comes down the mountain, and he looks all holy, and the people listen to him. They say, man, we're going to do all of that. First thing God teaches them is how to live. Second thing God teaches them is how to worship him. Look at number four. How we worship determines who we worship. Let's say that out loud together. You ready? How we worship determines who we worship. Let's say that one more time. Here we go. How we worship determines who we worship. Now, I'm going to say the next line first. When we forget how to worship, we forget how to live. Let's say that out loud together. You ready? When we forget how to worship, we forget how to live. So God knows this. God says, if you are going to live in a certain way with me, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, then you need to worship me, and I'm going to tell you how I want you to worship me. Exodus chapter 25, he teaches them how to worship. Exodus 26. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. It took twice as many chapters to teach them how to worship than it did teach them how to live. Did you notice that? Look at that. Look at number three. It took them four chapters on how to live. Now look at number four. It took them seven chapters to learn how to worship him. God is very interested in how we worship him because when we forget how to worship, we forget who we worship. Now, I find this fascinating. God is on top of the mountain with Moses, and he's teaching them what? How to worship. What do you think is happening on the bottom of the mountain? Moses spends all that time up the top of the mountain, and God is teaching him how to worship, and Moses is like, I'm writing this down. Okay, okay, I got it. I got it. You want us to worship you that way? He comes down the mountain. Number five. When the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, his best friend, and said to him, Come, make us a God. Stop right there. The first part of this whole thing was God was teaching them how to live in communion with him, and they have already forgotten that. They said, We will do everything you want us to do. Well, they've already broken that. He said, Make us another God. As for that man, Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron replied, take off all the earrings of your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and put them in the collection at Christ the Redeemer on this coming Sunday. (laughs) Don't do that, please. He received their offering and fashioned with it a tool and made a molten calf. How beautiful is this? Moses is on top of the mountain. And God is teaching them how to worship. And on the bottom of the mountain, because they don't know how to do that, they are now determining their own way, not only how to worship, but what God, a pagan God, they are going to worship. Here's what we want to know today, if we're going to get the lamb thing. God is keenly interested in us worshiping him. Amen? 
If we're going to get the lamb, if we can get the gospel, we need to know this today. God is keenly interested. He wants to be very involved with how we worship him. Amen? Now, how is it that God wants us to worship him? He's going to teach us how to live. That's in the Ten Commandments. He spends seven chapters trying to teach us how to worship him. The question that naturally arises is, okay, God, how do you want us to worship you? And for us to learn that, we have to reclaim a word. Look at number six. We have to take back from the secular culture a word that is theological, not secular. The word sacrifice, which we think means to give something up. The exact opposite of true in in theology. The word sacrifice literally means an offering to God to make holy. And the way that we worship God is through sacrifice. It's the first thing that Noah did where it stopped the rain. He offered sacrifice. Why did Abraham take Isaac up the mountain to offer sacrifice? What did we see over and over with Cain and Abel, with Melchizedek, over and over in the Jewish ritual? What did God teach them up on the mountain to do is to offer sacrifice. If you want to worship God, you offer sacrifice. And this is really important because God is going to lose this. The Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Let me put things into context for you just for a second. When you were somewhere for 400 years, you forget about what happened 400 years ago. Let me give you an example. In 1776, some very good men with some awesome character forged an incredible document called the Declaration of Independence. In 1776, Men put their lives on the line and tried to form a country on a certain set of values and character. In 1976, 200 years later, would you look at our nation in 1976, the hippie movement and all that was with that, would you say that things kind of changed in 1976 as opposed to 1776? That was only 200 years. The Jewish people were in Egypt for 400 years. And when you're in Egypt for 400 years, you begin to think like the Egyptians do and act like the Egyptians do and pray like the Egyptians do. So God found his people in slavery in Egypt, and they were not only in slavery to the Egyptians, but they were beginning to worship the Egyptian gods. And God said, no way. You're my people, and you will worship me and me alone. You will offer sacrifice to me and to me alone. And so he grabbed Moses and said, Moses, go talk to Pharaoh. And we all think that Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, right? No, he didn't. Look at the book of Exodus. Number seven. In Exodus chapter three, Moses was talking to God and God told Moses something very specific. He said, you and the elders of Israel, go to that Pharaoh who thinks he's God, by the way. And and you tell him that the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has come to meet us. So now let us go a three days journey in the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord. When Moses went to Pharaoh the first time, he did not say, let us go. He said, let us go and worship God. If he would have just told Pharaoh, hey, we've been with you for 400 years. You still need us. They maybe, Pharaoh would have said, I'll let half of you go. 
But when Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, we're going to offer sacrifice to another God, Pharaoh says, over my dead body. And Moses says, that can be arranged, right? (laughs) Number nine. So on the night when God is going to take them out of Egypt, God is very intentional about telling the Jewish people, when you leave Egypt, you leave Egypt in Egypt. You leave the Egyptian gods in Egypt. You leave the customs that you have picked up in Egypt. When I take you out of Egypt, you leave Egypt in Egypt. And the way that I'm going to prove that to you and to me and to Pharaoh is you will offer sacrifice to me. So a lot of us know the story of how God asked them to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of their house, right? That's because God did not know where they lived. No. Why did he want the blood on the doorpost? Because the lambs were sacred to Egypt. And God says, I want you to take their lambs. Go get them. And I want you to offer sacrifice to me, the living God. And then when Pharaoh wakes up the next morning and says, where are my lambs? I want him to be able to find out who took his lambs. Put the blood on the doorpost. God is drawing a line in the sand and he's saying that if you are going to be my people, you will worship me and me alone. You will offer sacrifice to me and me alone. Put the blood on your house and get ready because we're leaving. And when we leave Egypt, you will worship me and me alone. And so on the night before they left slavery, they took lambs. And the blood of a lamb was what led to their freedom. One more time. The blood of that lamb that was sacrificed led to their freedom. Now every first century Jewish person who was hanging out with John the Baptist and on the day that John the Baptist looks at this guy and calls him the Lamb of God Every first century Jewish person would have heard that with the ears, theologically, of Exodus. Because you see, we don't need to be set free from the slavery of Egypt. He has come so that we might be set free from the slavery of sin. If you walked into church today and you are struggling with sin and your spouse doesn't know about it, you can be free. If you were struggling with the same sin over and over and you were tired of confessing the same thing over and over, welcome, you can be free. Life is not about coping. There is more to life than whether LSU wins the national championship. Oh, that was pretty awesome, right? (laughs) But there's got to be more in life than that. See, he came to set us free. There's a new freedom. It's not about being free from Egypt. He says, I want you to be free from slavery. And if there's a new freedom, that means there's a new covenant. And if there's a new covenant, there's a new exodus. The exodus out of Egypt is now the exodus out of sin. And if there's a new exodus, we don't need the old exodus lamb. There's a new lamb. And the blood of the lamb sets you free. Amen? John the Baptist said to prove that he was God, he looked at his disciples and he didn't say, hey, there's the Messiah. 
He didn't say that. He said, there he is, the lamb. Now, I just want you to pay attention to your heart. Some of you right now are like, man, that was awesome. And you can't wait to learn more. You want to know why? Because you're the top picture on page six. You're the rich young man. You see, you've done all the stuff you're supposed to do, and what God is asking of you is to learn more about the story. So if you are the rich young man, you've done everything, and you're sitting here going, I don't know what my next step is. The next step is to to pay attention to your heart and what you want. And if you want more of this Bible study stuff, then that's your next step. Amen? Some of you checked out of the homily. I can see you. Let me tell you why you checked out. Because I said that Jesus was a lamb, and I talked about killing animals and sacrifice, and you said, that is stupid, that's crazy, and you checked out. Because you have questions. You're like the man born blind. That's you. And if that's awesome, you can check out on Muhammad. It was supposed to check you out. Because that's where you are. And what you need is time and a place where you can get answers to your questions. Just don't keep checking out from this whole thing called God because there are implications in this life and the next to checking out. But we just need to make it easy for you so you don't check out. And that's where you are praying God. Some of you, the best part of the homily was not about all that lamb stuff in the Old Testament. That was kind of, I don't know. But when I started getting fired up over here about you were set free from sin, you, you, you perked up and you said, Praise God. Because all you were thinking about for the first half of the homily was the fact that you were stuck in sin. And if that's where you are, hey, that's where you are. Welcome. But that's where you are. And he wants you to be free. Amen? And some of you didn't listen to anything because you walked in here today and your life is a mess. And you look great. Like you get the makeup on, clothes on, but your, your life's a mess. Or you're just going through a storm, right? Something happened in your family or life, and you're like, okay, Father Mark, oh, that's interesting. I just, I am, I'm struggling with something. And if that's where you are, welcome. And the fact that you didn't listen to the homily only proves that you don't need that. You just need to know, where are you? Well, praise God, Welcome. So if you just pay attention to what happened today at Mass, you will locate where you are. And wherever you are, that's okay. God loves you way too much to not meet you there, but he loves you way too much to leave you there. And if we keep listening to this and listening to him, then he will show us what the next step is. Amen? However... The next step has a name. Whatever your next step is, I can tell you where it's going to take you. Because I'm going to stand behind this altar, and I'm going to say something that hopefully today feels just a little bit different. See, I'm going to say, pray my brothers and sisters, that my 
sacrifice and yours might be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. What's my sacrifice? We're going to take bread and wine today because that's what Jesus did in the Last Supper, which was the Passover meal. And if there's a new Passover, that means there has to be a new meal. And in the old Passover meal, they had two things that they ate, bread and wine. And when they ate the bread and wine in the old Passover meal, it brought them back to Egypt. Here's an awesome thing for us today. You and I are only about 10 minutes away from going right here. Because the new Passover meal takes us to the new Passover. And if you want to know what the next step, because you're the rich young man, it's called him. In about 10 minutes, he wants to be in your body. Amen? And if you've got lots of questions about him, but you're open to him and giving you the answer, in 10 minutes you're going to come forward, and the answer is a person, not a set of truths. And if you are like the, the, the Samaritan woman, and you were in sin, guess who went to the well to find her? This guy right here. And as you come forward to communion, he wants to enter into, this is going to blow you away, your sin. And number four, if you are in a storm and you didn't see Jesus, well, you came to the right place today. Because he's about to enter your body. He's about to enter the storm. And let me tell you, he is not afraid of storms. Welcome. Where you are is where you are. And we don't have to worry about taking the next step at Lent. Today, we're going to take it at Mass as we take one step closer to him. Amen?